Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat to go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by the time, but by this time, the boat, bathered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand, caught him, saying to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. Sisters and brothers, this is the gospel of our Lord. And friends, would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Cross of grace, it is such a joy for me to be with you today in worship for two reasons. The work of the church, the purpose of the church is not for itself. It is for community, for the healing, for the repair, for the tending of, for the loving of the community, for this world that God so loves. You all do that so faithfully, so well. It's an honor to be among you. Two, as Pastor Kogan said, I've known uh, Pastor Kogan for 20 years, and uh, it won't surprise you to know that the spirit was strong in him as a little one, friends. We could see it. And so it is a joy, 20 years later, having prayed with him, walked with him, mentored him, being present at his ordination, his marriage, uh, to worship with him this day. So it is good to be here. Thank you, Pastor, for the invitation. We're in the 14th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus has fed 5,000 men and women and children. All were fed. And our Gospel lesson for today begins by Jesus dispersing those crowds that had gathered. And Jesus putting the disciples into a boat to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Now, Scripture says he made the disciples get into the boat. The Greek verb there is very forceful, which is to say Jesus really wanted the disciples to get into the boat, get onto the water, and get away from where he was because he needed some time to pray, some time to think, some time to be alone. Jesus really likes some alone time. So he has the disciples get into the boat, and he goes up to the mountain to pray. While the disciples are on the water, and water in ancient cultures 
was sometimes a, a scary image. Water represented kind of the uh, primordial waters of the underworld. And, and uh, the narrative around water was that the, the beasts of the water could come up and, and claim life and kill. So it was a scary thing for the disciples to be on the boat and in the water. In Jesus' time of prayer, he prays for about a day, late in the day, he's made aware that the disciples are struggling. And so Jesus, rather than walking around the lake to get to the disciples, decides to take an efficient manner and just walks on the water to the disciples. Peter and the disciples see Jesus walking on the water, and they're fearful. They're afraid. Because of this uh, concern about what might be lurking under the water, what might come and sort of destroy them, they're not sure if this person walking on the water is an agent of life or it's an agent of death. And so Peter, being the lead disciple here, decides that he'll put this figure, Jesus, to the litmus test. And he says, okay, Jesus, if it is you, command me to walk to you on the water. And Peter reasons, rightly, that if it is Jesus, his foot will be able to catch solid surface and allow him to walk towards Jesus on the water. And if it's not Jesus, but a, uh, a scary thing, a ghost is how scripture describes it, then Peter would not be able to walk on the water and Peter would sink. So Peter steps out of the boat and begins to walk towards Jesus. And just about then, the wind and the waves start to whip up and become fierce, and Peter becomes afraid, and he starts to sink. And Jesus takes hold of his disciple and leads him into the boat and gets him back into the boat to safety. And Peter and the disciples say, you are the Son of God. And this is the first time in Matthew's gospel that that title has been attributed to Jesus. And there's two things about this, people of God, that, that I invite your attention to today. Two pieces of good news, two pieces of promise to shape our thinking and our way of being this day. First, Jesus is about the work of saving disciples and saving this whole world that God so loves. That's what Jesus does. Jesus saves. Jesus reorients us from death to life. We humans have this enormous capacity, do we not? For good, for movement towards life, for connection, for relationship, for wholeness. And we humans have this enormous capacity for evil, for death, for things that disconnect, for things that harm, for things that make things and structures and people inequality, systems of injustice, we have an enormous capacity for both good and evil in our lives on the individual level and on the collective systemic society level. And so, we call upon the name of the Lord and Jesus does what Jesus does. Jesus reorients us from death and danger and peril into new life, the path of life, 
the path of flourishing. Now my image for this, friends, is that of a mother cat. We live on a farm about six acres in uh, Lapel, Indiana, and we often have cats and kittens on our properties. And when the mama cat thinks the little kittens are moving off towards danger or moving off into a radius far away from where she can keep them safe, she just trots out and takes them in her mouth by the scruff of their neck and brings them right back into safety. Something like that is the work of Jesus, moving us from death to life in this world where we try to navigate all of the deep complexities on the individual level and on the systemic and communal level. Precisely that's why the church matters, right? Here we hear the story. Here we hear the promises of Jesus. Here we hear the good news over and over again. Here we hear what are the values that make for a flourishing life. Here we are reminded to forgive one another as God first forgave us. Here we are fed the bread and the wine of holy communion to nourish us for this work of healing and caring and repair and mending that God is about. Here we are washed in the waters of baptism over and over again for this work we are called to do. Second lesson that was read today, we are sent out as messengers of Jesus. We are the feet of the good news given baptism, fueled by Holy Communion to mend and to heal to address the structures of society that are causing death, not life, division, not unity, disconnection, not relationship, those things in life that divide us from one another, racism, economic injustice, all of these things that are not in line with the future God has for God's people. And Jesus invites us into this way, a life of care, a life of mutuality, a life of relationship, the things that are shared in faith communities, things that take time and things that bring life. Speaking of death and those forces of death around us in our life together, The Atlantic had an article recently about the decline of people going to church, and that's not a new story. But the author suggested that it wasn't for theological reasons or political reasons that people are not in worship. It is because American life has squeezed American society, squeezed out any time for mutuality and care and community. This unrelenting pace of life is such that unless your job or kids' activities kind of uh, make a way for it, there is no more time for neighbor, for care, for relationship building. Jesus, save us from such a life. We need saved from this pace because every single one of us knows that is a pathway to isolation and loneliness and depression and disconnection and despair, things that move us towards death, not life. The ministry fair that will be uh, here in the next week or so. We'll organize those opportunities for you in the year ahead for your discernment and for your next steps. 
But the second piece of the gospel lesson for today, please note that before Jesus did this life-saving work with the disciples in the boat, Jesus took time and prayed and rested by himself before he could get right back to that work of saving and caring for the disciples. Jesus rested. Elijah in the Old Testament lesson rested before either could do the work towards God's saving people. Notice the sequence there, friends. They fed. They healed. They rested. They put on their oxygen mask first, and then they got right back out to do the healing work for the sake of this world. Elijah and Jesus had that sequence. We are not any different, people of God. So let me ask you, in this time of, of the year, this time of, uh, of school returning, this time of ministry fair beginning, let me ask you, what do you need from God to enable you to get back into the work of healing, repairing, restoring as messengers of God? into the work of civic repair, into the work of caring for our communities, into the work of mending what has been broken and disjointed. For some, it may be a, a small break. Perhaps we've neglected Sabbath a bit and we're a bit parched, and so we will get back into Sabbath rhythm and rest. For your Pastor Mark, this season of rest and renewal of several months is magnificent. I am so grateful for you cross of grace for honoring your pastors with clergy renewal time. What a witness, what a gift, so that we as pastors and church can gather together restored and renewed for this work of repair and love and care for our communities. So what do you need? In the gospel lesson this week, Jesus calls the disciples into the midst of the wild and the restless sea after he's rested. And note that he is not beckoning them away from the storm, people of God. He is calling them into the storm, into the tumult, into the chaos of the waters, into the brokenness, into that which needs repaired, into that which needs healed. And so, cross of grace, that's where God is calling us into the troubled waters of racial injustice in our country so that we may be the ones to speak a word of equality. Jesus calls us into the troubled waters of economic inequality in our country to speak up for the least and the marginalized so we might be the ones who convey God's preferred future of a life that is just and right and good and honorable for all people in this country. It is where Jesus is calling us into the troubled waters of civic repair as our political rhetoric and our language has become increasingly hostile and intolerant towards one another. Jesus is calling us to be the bridge builders, the civic repairers, models of a way of Jesus that loves and honors and cares for and includes all people into mutuality and a life with neighbor and other because we cannot do this life alone without the gift of community and relationship, and mutuality, and care of each other. That's the pathway to death. Jesus is in the business of reorienting us 
to life. And so, Jesus feeds, does extraordinary work of miracles and healing and repair. Jesus walks on water, saves the disciples when uh, the waters and the storms of life were about to take them under. And in between, Jesus rests and centers his heart on God, the source of all life. That sequence, friends, that allowed Jesus to get back out there to do the work, that sequence is important for Jesus, and that sequence is important for us to continue doing the work of healing and repair in this world that God so deeply loves and equips us to love in his name. Thanks be to God. Amen.